This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. Um, today we're going to talk about the future of radio, which is quite a lot probably to get through in, in a short period of time, but we, we'll have a go at it. I'm joined today by Garrett Hart, who is MD of Hart Media and a former Editor-in-Chief of News Talk. Welcome, Garrett. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. I'm also joined by Gabrielle Cummins, who is CEO of Beat 102-103 and also Chair of Choose Radio, which is an IBI initiative to promote radio generally. Welcome, Gabrielle. I am delighted to be here, Dave. Great. I definitely, this one, I definitely feel like I'm out of my depth in this one. I feel like I'm, um, you know, I'm totally bluffing it here in terms of two seasoned professionals in in uh, radio. But first of all, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. I know we'll get to this in a minute, Gabrielle. It was a busy day in radio world at the moment with, with funding. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, so thanks for making the effort. And, and first of all, is how's everyone doing? Are everyone safe and everyone keeping well in these unusual times? Yeah, we're all, we're doing as best we can, just trying to adjust to the the new normal that we're all in now in week 10. I think we're on now, aren't we? Yeah. Garrett, how are you getting on? Absolutely. My garden looks better than it ever done, Dave. Unbelievable. And and what a garden it is, I hear. um, Kieran Cunningham is a neighbour. I think it's a fine big garden. Dear McCammon, Gavin would be proud of it. I actually moved house during the pandemic, so right. I've been very busy. Very good. Right. Well, as I say, it's been a busy day. We, we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm just going to kick off as pretty much what we do in every podcast that we do, because we, we did one on, on COVID specifically. But given that it goes on so long, it changes so much and it's going to be around for a lot longer. And, and the collateral damage, I think, in terms of, re- of a recession and, and a recovery is still unknown. But Gabrielle, I'm going to start with you. What we've seen with other media is a massive spike in terms of consumption. So listenership and um, viewership and video and that kind of audience are flocking to trusted channels in their droves, but yet the advertising dollars aren't there. So is it the same thing that's going on in radio? What's going on right now? Is it is supply outstripping demand or how's it going? It sure is. As you know, as we'd expect, there is huge demand for radio, not just in the traditional sense anymore. I suppose because people are at home more that they're listening in different ways. As we saw from the Jane Law Omnipole that was issued recently, people are listening more on their smart speakers and, and streaming radio, which is fantastic. So there's huge demand there for our content. But as you mentioned, advertising has uh, has been decimated over the last 10 weeks. Yeah, tell me about it. And I think another thing, which again comes up and it's not specific to radio, Gabrielle, I'll, I'll stick with you on this one. So it's like all traditional media. I think, um, I think I've been reading for at least 15, 20 years that the death of radio and it's kind of dying. And particularly because younger listeners are not listening to Irish stations, they're listening to music on Spotify, they're listening to podcasts and all that. So if, if you're to believe the mood music and the rhetoric that plays out, you'd swear that radio as we know it and, and local radio is kind of a thing of folklore. Is that true? How was radio doing? And particularly with the younger audiences pre-COVID, is it in good shape, bad shape? How's it doing? Well, we have over 3.1 million people listening to us on a daily basis. So, and it's still the number one medium in Ireland in terms of uh, its audio landscape. So, I always feel like this rhetoric is a bit of an emperor's new clothes scenario that everyone's mm-hmm. trying to convince themselves that radio is dying. But those of us who live and breathe radio, and I've been working in the medium for over 20 years, um, firmly believe that uh, it is as resilient as it's always been. And we will evolve as we always have been. And I'm looking forward to 
taking on whatever challenges are thrown at us. And we're certainly having some challenging times. Yeah, at the I, I can imagine if it's any comfort, I think every medium, every I mean, everybody practically except the big tech companies have challenges. So it's it's universal. But I, I think challenge is good. It, make, it keeps you fit and keeps you agile. So, and I, I'm a fan of radio generally anyway, but uh, Garrett, you wrote an article in the Irish Times today and you talk quite a lot about regulation. But just before we get into that, you mentioned one of the, the strengths of radio as a medium is trust and that relationship between the present and the listener and that's quite a unique relationship and that that trust they have so do you want to just touch on that um, for a little bit and just give me um, how important trust is in indigenous media yeah look trust for me is a cornerstone to any uh, strong indigenous media but also to the democratic fabric of our society and the Irish public have consistently pointed to radio as the most trusted uh, source of media but trust can be taken for granted uh, and trust comes with a cost. Uh, and I think that whether it's the advertising sector, whether it's the state uh, or it's the general public, we've got to acknowledge that if we want to continue having a trusted local media sector, and in particular the independent commercial radio sector, then we've got to look at ways of funding it. Otherwise, that service may not be there into the future. Yeah, I think... and. You know, I know you a long time, Garrett, so I know I won't annoy you, but I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, so the thing about trust, and I know when we chatted off air during the week and we're saying, you know, people should be prepared to pay for it. And I think it probably is. I think people would say, oh, yeah, no, I think proper journalism should be paid for. But it's it's somewhat idealistic to a degree. So the ad, the, the business model for radio at the moment, whether we like it or not, when any party enters that space, they know that it's it's a ad funded model. So radio station creates the content. If that content is good, they build a listener base and then they monetize that listener base to advertising. So that's the deal. So what's the problem with that? Yeah, a few points. I suppose the problem is that the advertising market, it, is broken when it comes to radio. Google and Facebook collect around 40% of the total advertising market in Ireland last year, around 425 million, massive numbers, and that's obviously set to continue. We've got to ask ourselves, what kind of media do we want in our society? Are we just consumers, or do you believe in a trusted indigenous media that's accountable? To give you the example of independent sector and RTE, both uh, are commercial animals. Both of them chase the ad revenue market. Uh, but RTE gets 180 million euro a year of the license fee for public service broadcasting. Yet 70% of the time spent listening to radio in Ireland is local mm. uh, independent radio stations who don't receive anything. Uh, so whether it's WLR, Waterford, KCLR, News Talk, Highland Radio, that is where uh, most people are listening to public service broadcasting, and even more so in the, in the times we're in now. Uh, they, they are going to it as a trusted source of information. If we don't face up to the reality that if the economic market of ad revenue is the only way you can fund public service broadcasting in, in the independent sector, then that's a false economy, and it's, mm. it's going to have an end uh, to that road pretty soon. Yeah, I... That's a good point. We And we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Gabrielle, I just want to touch on something because again, when we chatted off air, I think you mentioned the time when you were uh, on a radio show on yeah, Beat 102 and, and a listener, you know, texted in and said, I, I love I love what you do. I love my local radio. I'd happily pay five quid a month. Was that something that genuinely happened? Somebody texted in and said that? Honestly, I, I still kind of get a lump in my throat. I was on with uh, WLR, the local radio station here in Waterford, talking about 
the desire, the, the importance of getting uh, funding mm. for news and current affairs and how the IBI was has been lobbying on this issue for years. And we were saying just how difficult it was to continue to deliver that news and current affairs out, but that our listeners absolutely expect from us. Yeah. But we're struggling to to deliver that because we didn't have the funding. And this uh, one of the elderly um, members of the local radio station's audience texted in afterwards and she said, it meant so much to her to have that news and current affairs output that she didn't have much money, but she could give five euro a week if it meant that they'd stay on air. And honestly, I just thought that's that is just an example, a simple example of how powerful yeah. and how important and um, what we do. And I, I I think it's really interesting because I know we 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 talked about it in a slightly facetiously, but um, you know, the journal are doing that at the moment. They're asking you, you know, on they if you value news, um, yeah. and they're looking for discretionary payments. And I did a podcast on print and the, the publishing sector last year, and I mentioned in the Guardian then I saw figures from the Guardian that earlier in April that they've 800,000 readers who are subscribing voluntarily monthly if they're giving two quid a month that rolls up to 20 million a year is it a case my point would be if and Gareth goes back to your point about funding if you have incredibly loyal listeners and which all the radio stations do is there anything wrong with crowdsourcing that funding is it just an Irish thing that we don't like to ask that we don't a lot of commentators said the Guardian you know turned their nose up at it saying it's begging bowl tactics and but it's 20 million quid that they wouldn't have got Dave I think you need to take into account though for radio all of us who have a, a license we have to deliver 20% news and current affairs mm. or um, we might have a derogation on that. So it's part of the government's remit and issuing a license to mm. us that we deliver public service broadcasting. So I think it's important that they acknowledge that right. through funding. Yeah, And that's why we were chasing the funding so much. And that's why we're so delighted today that yeah. we... We did get funding. Um, as you know, we'd, we'd been chasing um, the government for a long time to change how they do what's called the sound and vision funding that they give to mm-hmm. broadcasters. Normally, it's done on independent projects that aren't live. But because of COVID, we asked them to change the parameters of that funding to make it specifically for us to help deliver content that's related to news and current affairs that's important for people to understand and know what's happening. Right. So they did, and they allocated two and a half million and that was divvied out today and right. we're absolutely buzzing. Great. So. That's brilliant. Well done. Congratulations. That's that's a good result. Because I think funding is a is an important area and, we, and we'll get to that in a second. But Garrett, just to go back and, and you mentioned Google and Facebook and this comes up all the time. I don't know. Again, I'll, I'll take a devil's advocate stance on it just to then provocate a debate here. So they do get blamed for taking a lot of revenue from, and it's not just here, it's in, it's in every market. But then when you think of, you know, the invisible hand, the market dictates supply and demand. If if there's an appetite in an audience, it will generate the income. So the point I sometimes make is that Google don't force anybody or Facebook, they don't force anybody to use their platform. It is completely up to the individual. And most of their business is not from the agencies. Most of it is direct. It's the mom and pop business, as they call them. So it's people that would have been you know, major supporters of local print, local radio. And if they're deciding, if it's if it's that long tail of advertisers, if they're deciding that they want to spend their money on those platforms because it generates a better return, then surely the question I would ask is like, is it fair to legislate and protect? And I'm being facetious, Garrett, so don't, don't kill me, to legislate an unprofitable industry that can't sustain itself with the model that it entered eyes wide open into. Well, I think that Gabrielle touched on the point. You know, the difference between the journal or the difference between print is that under the license that each radio station has, they have a provision to provide 20% news and current affairs. Mm-hmm. A lot of stations probably provide around 40% news and current affairs, public service broadcasting, 
and that is central to their business model. But there are lots of stations who are music-driven stations who shouldn't have to be providing that level, and right. but their remit should be about producing promotions around new talent, new yeah. music, new entertainment. So that's the let's say the the content side of it. The the advertising side of it goes back to. And the point I made uh, that as a society, we need to ask ourselves what kind of media do we want? And if we if we were just consumers, then that's fine. Just yeah. let's go with Google, let's go with Facebook. But if we look at an example like Brexit in the UK, mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest criticisms of the mainstream media in the UK was that they missed Brexit, that the media was too London-centric and they were out of step with public opinion. Uh, and now we have all those ramifications mm-hmm. uh, falling out of Brexit. And that was uh, clearly a failure of the British government to invest in local radio in the UK. And that, that local democratic process disappeared. Mm-hmm. And there is no reason why we couldn't fast forward a couple of years and say that we had a online radio station, unregulated uh, that was anti-immigrant, anti-EU, was asking for Ireland to leave the EU. And it's even more plausible now as we're going to do a recession and high unemployment. And that's the worry that I would have, that our media gets pulled into a position where we can't fund our local stations anymore because mm. the advertising revenue isn't there. And it allows big right-wing organisations to fund an online station that could drive uh, a debate in here we don't want. Yeah, I agree. I know I'm I'm kind of trying to get a debate going, but I'm I'm trying to give a counter argument. But I do agree, and I've I've been on the record as a fan of of supporting local media, and and I think the agencies, the ad community has has a very strong role to play. I think just there's been pressure on everything, so it comes from procurement driven down pressure on prices. It gets passed on, and the thing I talked about when I look when I talked about press is that when you just value an impression or one impression is as good as another impression, well then the value of that impression doesn't matter where it's served. The context isn't important, and I think there's a role to be done in that so yeah no yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd agree I'd also I'd also argue that you know from a and you're better placed at this day because you're but from a, a product or an advertiser's point of view having a trusted brand that they can drive their message through there has to be some value mm. in that beyond just a, a straight commercial exchange of, of an ad and, and you know that the trust becomes a really important component yeah that's what we've been trying to champion yeah. with the Choose Radio work. And, you know, we've recently been doing a campaign with Boys and Girls Advertising Agency, mm. and there's a new wave of that coming on air in the next um, week or two, uh, highlighting the importance of of that trust message. It's definitely, it, the only the only problem is it's hard to measure that. So, and, and it's just because, and it's that old thing about everything that can be measured shouldn't be measured. Um, but it's also a thing, if you can't measure it, it didn't happen. So unfortunately, yeah. and it is not, it's not a good way to be, but um, the attribution of the same or the, the click it usually falls with the, the last click and that benefits certain channels just Garrett you'd be closer um, but Gabrielle your view on this as well I mean there's lots of talk in, in different countries about a tech tax if you will where we impose taxes on, on the big four or three as the case may be in different markets and we repatriate that because they they take you know in Google's case they may take content from publishers we're not really I, I don't know are we is it wishful thinking that we expect the government to lead on something like this given the collateral damage which may be Barrow Street may just get you know 
return to what it used to be. Will we have any teeth on this? Are we kind of idealists just dreaming here? Or or maybe is the case that as like France, as other countries do it and, and a precedence is set that we may follow suit? Is it is do you think we'll see some repatriation of income? Well my my view on this is you know the question of who is going to take the big digital giants to task over lifting content that's produced in Ireland uh, by radio stations and by newspapers, lifting that content for free and using it to drive their their bottom line. And that's the question that all governments Mm. have to face up to. Your point about the Barrow Street, who knows if you read today that Mark Zuckerberg has said that they're looking at following Twitter in terms of their staff being allowed to work remotely. So, you know, everything's up in the air in terms of the future, but I think for Google and Facebook, they have got to recognize that if content is produced at a cost in Ireland by a media outlet, then they've got to pay for it. I, I just think, I don't know, if, if we're waiting for the government to wrap their knuckles, I mean, do we still have a few billion in escrow from Apple that we're afraid to touch? Um, I, w- I wouldn't. It's resting in that account still, shall we say. Um <laughs> And again, open question, whoever wants to take it. Do you think in terms of regulation, given that you're competing for, you're not just competing for ad dollars and radio in terms of other radio stations or anything like that, you're competing against everybody. You're competing against Google as well. Is, in terms of regulation, do you think there's the radio is overregulated in terms of BAI? We've always, on, in fairness, this is a, an ongoing debate from an IBI perspective that we're constantly banning, banging that drum with uh, the BAI. Like we have a great relationship with the BAI and we're, we're constantly looking at it, but absolutely we're overregulated. And um, and it probably goes back to the, the fact of that we're such a strong and important medium that they are concerned about um, the, the importance of separating editorial versus commercial. But, you know, with so much competition, I think the BAI needs to be constantly looking at it a bit more and um, to make it more accessible for us because we constantly come up against it when we're, you know, dealing with agencies and, and giving solutions. Mm. And they'll say, right, this is what Google and Facebook can do. And we're not able to compete. Mm. And that's just unacceptable when we've got the stronger audience. Yeah. And Garrett, do you want to? Overregulation, BAI, what's your... Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I, I concur with Gabrielle, my time, uh, the BAI. They, they can only regulate with the legislation and the rules that they're given by government, but they were always very willing to collaborate on various issues. And I think the ABAs call for, you know, the, the widening of the, the funding uh, for radio, that it would be a, a public service broadcasting fund as mm. opposed to a licensee, you know, that's really where the BEI probably needs to go pretty quickly in terms of supporting radios in its totality. Yeah. Okay. So Garrett, what, what do you think that needs to change with the BEI funding at the moment is specifically? Well, I think, look, my, my personal view is that when I was in the news talk and you would be dealing with all the other stations or IBA conferences and, and dealing with the Department of Communications, you always got the view that, that they had a, a perception that independent commercial radio wasn't really public service broadcasting and the, and the public service broadcasting was a preserve of RTE. Mm-hmm. And Therefore, the license fee was for RTE exclusively, and that you know that was that's my personal opinion, and that there was almost a protectionist approach to RTE. Roll on the COVID uh, mm-hmm. pandemic that we have now, and that attitude to independent radio uh, has almost changed overnight. Gabrielle touched earlier on the Sound and Vision yeah. Fund, two and a half million fund that was set up for independent documentaries and drama has now been redirected right. 
to help local stations uh, produce public service so, broadcasts. Yeah, so that's like a really obvious, um, really vote of confidence in independent radio on the importance yeah. of the news and current affairs that we provide. Is that a temporary thing or do you think that will, because the problem is anything that you do at any time sets a precedence. So it's, it has set a precedence, so you'd like to see that precedence um, continued. Certainly would help with lobbying in the future, you imagine. Absolutely. Like, the, you know, I, I would like to see that this is this has opened a whole new world and this is the first round of funding. And, right. you know, if this, you know, however long the pandemic continues, then audiences are still going to want us to deliver that level of content. And we can't do that if we don't have the advertising. So we're going to have yeah. to, if more funding is going to have to be forthcoming. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate again. And, and Gabrielle, you can take this one because I feel like I'm giving Garrett a hard time. So, if okay, if I if I just step back and just look at the numbers for a minute, how sustainable is having 25, 30 small local radio stations in a market that, of our size? So, and I know every market is different, but if I look at a broadcast example of, say, the ITV TV network in, in the UK, they have a chassis where what's the main content that and, and they build the like local nuances of news, sport, weather on the back. So you've got macros, you've got different opt outs. So you, but the main body of programming is the same um, and that reduces the burden of content. So you don't have ITV Manchester, ITV uh, as separate companies and, and in and identities. They have one body, one chassis and they have different macros. So UTV. Wales, London, and given this, given just the size of of the the market that we have and the population that we have, do we not have too many stations? Is is it is it just not that simple? Do you, do you think, or maybe the question I'm trying to ask is, do you think you will see some consolidation, um, or and it move to syndication of some more content? But and I understand you both say the strength of local radio is the local voice, and unbelievably, yes, it is. But is there a halfway house that can strip out some costs? Absolutely. I would um, definitely think that's the way it's going to go. We've seen it already with some stations over the last few years where there's been uh, consolidation with some stations and talks among other stations. So I I think we're going to see more of that. And especially probably the pandemic has accelerated that even further. And consolidation is definitely something that will be happening more often in the future. And as you mentioned about syndication, networking, a lot of us do that already. And we'll continue to explore other areas where we might be able to do that. Um, But the important thing is that there is always going to be a level of the geographical location that it won't be, you know, 24-7, that you you always have to have that element. And, and in fact, I even though I run a music station, I've always been really strong because I, I come from a um, news background. I was former editor at the station. The importance of news and current affairs mm. locally on oh, the yeah. station is really important. So I'd like to think that that will always remain. Yeah, and it is one of those, you know, we were chatting off air again, I was chatting to Garrett about this, you know, people really value it, but then getting the people to pay for it is, is mm. you know, paying any guys is a... Is a challenge, so it's a bit like Beauty's Cafe that you know try and shut it down, and there's outcry, but we can't shut it down. But yeah, people, you know, don't hence, go in. Hence, why it. we need the license fee yeah. to be fenced to cover. Um, um, cover uh, yeah, I I agree. Good point. Let's kind of look to the future for a minute. So, audio, we we are a, a nation of storytellers, and our and our our listenership to radio is really high, and, and every and all radio is commercial radio predominantly, which is a difference to the UK because you know that funding model or is commercial as well. But now when you look at what digital has done, 
it, it's done a lot of things, but now with, with podcasting, Ireland are, you know, top five in terms of per capita, in terms of podcast consumption in the world, which is phenomenal. Um, and as I always say, any old Egypt can have a podcast as case in point as this is. Anybody can have one. So the bar can be quite low. Yeah, anybody can do it these days. So, but I think you got way more competition now. You, you're competing not just against, so if you're F104, you're not competing with 98 FM. You're competing against, you know, podcasts from America, podcasts from anywhere in the world, the UK. And also it seems that just like brands that were in their lane as publishers, so like the New York Times, everybody's a broadcaster now. So it just seems like at the moment, the availability and the, there's an abundance of content out there and audio content, you know, from the outside in, it looks like things are going to get tougher, maybe as a, as a, if you're a local Irish station. So it sounds even sane as overwhelming to me to a degree. How do Irish stations stay relevant amidst all this new competition? Um, Garrett, we'll start with you there. Uh, look, for me, the success of radio is down to content, content, content. It's telling stories that capture the audience, but it's also the simplicity of the connection with the community. And there's it, it's a craft. You know, I know you said that, uh, you know, everyone's a publisher or newspapers are publishers or broadcasters. But, you know, radio practitioners, those who work in the radio industry will tell you that it's a craft beyond just sticking a mic and uh, opening up the feeders. Uh, and I think that uh, the opportunity for radio will always be embracing technology, but bringing the high production values that it has delivered over the years. And, and look, you know, the point about uh, uh, the future, if you look at uh, Spotify, for example, last year, remember picking up the newspaper and reading that uh, Spotify had bought two startup podcast companies in the States called Gimlet and Anchor. I'd heard of one of them just about, but they've paid a half a billion for both of them based on the fact that they had said within a few years of a fifth of their listening would be in talk podcasting uh, and that they were going to use that as a different revenue model because when they were dealing with music companies, they had to pay for royalties, whereas yeah. they had a, you know, it probably was a a more attractive uh, model to drive greater profit margins. And that's a growth area for radio. That, that's where I can see a revenue line becoming a more important uh, line on the balance sheet for radio in the future. Like the, I suppose the big point is, is that, yes, radio is traditional and one of the strongest traditional media, but we have constantly evolved. And Beat started 17 years ago, and now I wake up in the morning and I, I ask Alexa to play Beat as soon as I get right. out of the bed. You know, I, I didn't have that. So, like, radio has moved into the digital space and we've we've embraced a lot of the other uh, social media that have come on board. Like, I know you had um, David Hochter on talking about authenticity in terms of TikTok. Yeah. Like, Beat hasn't been afraid to embrace TikTok and, you know, have partnerships with all these brands. And I think that's key for us because especially for the younger demographic, they're, that's where they are and that's their space. So it's really important that radio stays there. Yeah, I think a lot, and a lot of it as well is just like shiny new things come in and, you know, people just advertisers get attracted to new platforms, new technology, new things like that. Music is quite interesting for me because, yeah. and again, um, you know, Garrett, when we talked about this, um, although music... Although it's not entirely music, a lot of stations, a lot of the licenses are music-based stations. And if you look at, like, I think back in the day, getting Radio Airplay used to be, a, you know, it would make or break acts and and getting, like, actually, even if you got banned back in the old days from playing, you know, BBC wouldn't play an artist. It was, like, it was controversial and big news. And now how people discover new music is, is probably through YouTube or even through TikTok. Is there a future in music-based radio, do you think? 
oh, well, I'd be worried if there wasn't singers. Right. I run a music-driven radio station. Right. But yeah, I absolutely do uh, believe that there's a future in music radio. And, you know, I was at a, a Radio Days Europe conference there a couple of years ago and the uh, CEO of iHeartMedia, you know, one of the biggest media organizations in America, mm. referred to the fact that like Spotify is like your digitized version of your CD collection. And that line is something I always love to quote because radio, you know, you're going to radio for different reasons. And yeah. if they still get a buzz out of the spontaneity of hearing tracks on the radio station that yeah. you wouldn't have playlisted on your Spotify list. So honestly, um, we still, you know, deal a lot with bands and they still love hearing their music on the radio and that's not going to change. I, I'd also say that, you know, back to the COVID environment, we're in and the, you know, the, the huge number of people who are now listening to radio, it's, it's back to the simplicity of the connection and the community that mm -hmm. hearing a song being played and a request or... Uh, you know, your name being read out on radio, things yeah. that, you know, yeah. you don't have that Spotify, that connection. It's as simple as it is. That uh, community, that sense of being part of a community. I, I agree. There is, because it's all, I was, as I was kind of prepping for this and I was listening to radio stations and, and you know, you, you hear people texting in, can you play this song? And and this one goes out to Mary and Kulak or whatever. And you're like, in, in this day and age, you would you forget that those things happen, but it's not about the music. It's about that. And particularly, and that's why TV does well. It, you know, you can watch anything, anytime, anywhere on any device, but there is something really nice about shared experience and knowing that other people are experiencing this at the same time. And I think, yeah, that's a I think people often forget that. And that's the thing about when we, we think got, about an audience. We, yeah. got a text, we got a text in today from somebody who's saying they couldn't, didn't have broadband and that they just wanted to thank us because we were literally the saviour of their day. Right. Yeah. And you forget that we it, sometimes in Dublin where broadband is good, that particularly local radio really does provide a much valued service for people. Um, yeah. So there is a future for music radio. I'm happy, happy to hear that. Um, and, and so you mentioned Echo and how you can, you know, and, and devices connected homes. It's a big thing. Is that it's probably going to give a bounce, potentially give a bounce to to listenership as we become more um, voice controlled and audio activated with content. But Gabrielle, I'll go to you. How do you think, are Irish stations thinking about it at the moment and should they be or what do they need to think about in terms of you have content, how do you distribute it in a new audio digital ecosystem? It's really important that we're thinking in that space. Like we all have our digital teams now that, you know, whatever, con like we all produce such fantastic content on air. We now have to be thinking about how we can curate that content across mm. all of our platforms. And that's really important. And it's also making sure that radio is, is as accessible as possible on all of those platforms that each station has created their smart skills. And um, so that as soon as they get up, that they know exactly. And it's communicating on the, on their FM dial as well about how the fact that they're on Alexa or they're on all that, you know, it's, it's really about educating mm. the audience about where they can get us because there often can be a perception that, oh, I can only hear WLR in, in Waterford yeah, and they yeah. forget that, you know, they can go onto the Irish radio player and pick it up or go onto Alexa. So it, there is a, a learning and an education there that we, as a radio industry, need to be doing more in, in that sphere, I think. It's a thing that runs through everything. So the digitization of radio and, and the world, look, the world is moving towards more content on demand and more, and more from the buy side, my side of defense, more personalized messaging and content. It happened in video, it's going to happen in TV, it will happen in radio. Um, and, and the idea, I think, of broadcasting to everybody at the same time on an FM bandwidth is going to be a thing of folklore, antiquated quite soon. 
radio will go digital. I think it, it's, it, it has been digital, so it's kind of misleading, but I don't think the future is going to be DAB. I think the future is going to be internet streamed and delivered yeah. content and app streamed. When might that happen? And once it hits a tipping point, when you guys would know more than me, how much, how far down any road are we on this and how big a change is it? We're honestly, we're not going to see the switch off of FM in in the next decade. It's just right. there isn't the appetite in Ireland for that. And it's funny, like I know they've done it with state uh, broadcasters in in Europe, but we're not anywhere near that. They, the FM is still hugely supported here. Right. And and even, uh, you know, when you talk about the UK figures, you know, the the listening on FM is still very strong. Yes, mm. they've, they've huge dab listening, but they, you can't disregard the FM side of it either. So it's just it's it's. It's not something that's going to happen. And it, it, we've had so many conversations. And plus, it needs to be led by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland on it uh, because we're all, it's too small a country. So right, yeah, yeah. we're not going to be looking to change because we'd all have to invest hugely on the technological side of it. So. I can imagine. I think it's happening. It's happening in parallel. Like I think that you mentioned the Radio Player app, but so there, it, the digitization is happening. It's a kind of yeah. twin track thing that's going on. And I think just once it gets to a tipping point where most of the listenership is coming, via digital I think it'll be looked at but yeah and as like again we're, we're running out of time but there's huge implications so I, I think once that happens or, or once there's increased inventory digitally what you can do as an advertiser I think it's good for radio stations by the way because you can carve up your audience instead of just saying we put out an ad and you buy that ad and whoever it hits it hits is you know it's everybody so I think carving up your audience into smaller niches and selling them is a good thing but actually one of the and I, I mentioned the the podcast about publishing last year I think what happened in publishing was apart from giving content away free which radio stations kind of have to if you're a punter um, I know funding may come in but what happened in in publishing was given access to Google to go scrape content and you know then Google made money off that Garrett and you mentioned that and I, I don't think we're too far away from a world where there's a, a Google for audio search that that service is kind of, and I don't know who's going to do it. Maybe Amazon could be Google, but taken at the moment, there's just an abundance of content. You can't find anything. And Google's mantra of making the, the world's information more easily accessible, that is now needed in an audio landscape. And, and the thing I think is important for not just Ireland, for, for broadcasters is if radio lets happen to it, what publishers that happen to it i think they're going to be in big trouble if they, if they outsource that content of of collation and delivery to agencies and and all that kind of stuff i think that you're going to miss out on a trick so um again i think what's happened with i don't know if you're familiar with the ozone project in the uk it started out as a publisher platform but it's now bringing in all media brands and it is really done they all come together what would be you know sworn enemies normally have come together because the bigger enemy is is what's going to happen with with google and facebook so do you think that that's a very long question i'll admit even from my standards it's a long question so do you think that we and we, we talked about about consolidation do we think that we will see strength in numbers radio broadcasters of ireland coming together to build technology or to kind of take control I think of the we've already we've already been lo- talking about it from an ibi perspective you know that uh, lots of stations produce so much brilliant news and current affairs content that there's been talk about uh, creating it all together right. on one platform and i think that would be really really positive for radio if if we can get to that stage where we do that Mm -hmm. and obviously from an advertising point of view lots of us are already on the audio xi exchange Mm -hmm. yeah so and we're already uh, monetizing our streams uh, via programmatic advertising with audio xi which is fantastic and i think that's in a really good space and we need to be there we were first to use that i think uh, our group yeah so so we're delighted to be in that space as well we were one of the first radio stations to join it so um, i think the more that goes on to that space the better because that's that's definitely the future of it 
Right, we're running way over time now, but it's it's fine. It's been good. I've I told you we enjoyed. talk about radio. I know it's been good though. I, I I enjoyed it. I'll just, I'll just cut Garrett out of all the other bits when we get through. It's Stop fine. That. I'll just cut Garrett out. Um, uh, so yeah, any final thoughts, Garrett? Before we go, uh, any final thoughts? No, not. Let me see. No, I think. Look, my point here is uh, that you know you touched there on the Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, scraping content, and uh, like the point I would make is, I suppose, back to my issue on trust. That you know, indigenous trusted media in Ireland hasn't been responsible for the rise of fake news and misinformation. Mm. It has been digital giants who've been un- unregulated, and we've got to you know keep that very much uh, at, at front of the argument as an advertiser, mm-hmm. as a consumer, and as a society through our government. And if you want to remain true and ensure that uh, if you're in, you know, Tara Savine, if you're in Bray, if you're in uh, Rafaud and Donegal, that the trusted media is still going to be there in 10 to 15 years. Yeah, uh, And you've got to pay for it. Uh, and it has to be funded beyond how it's currently being funded. Yeah, cool. I agree. Um, well, all that's left to say is thanks a million for joining me. And Gabrielle, congratulations again um, on your funding on the Sound of Vision thanks. Fund. So I'm delighted for you. So, and I think it's a precedence that hopefully will continue. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks, Gabrielle. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. And just want to say thanks again. And just to remind people, Garrett, you wrote a great article in the Irish Times today. So I'd urge people to, to pick that up because it went into slightly different detail about the, the funding and, and your recommendations. So it's definitely worth checking out. Thanks to our partners in Irish Times Media Solutions and thanks to Andrea on Sound. Um, we're not on next week. We're back the week after. So until then, bye bye. This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. 